Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. I'm joined this morning by Umar. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Did you get much sleep last night or are you up uh, kind of following the chaos of the transfer window? You know what? It was 11.30 um, and I was about to go to bed and I saw that Harry Kane, the news it broke, that he's going to go to uh, Bayern Munich. And I thought, mm. OK, that's done and dusted. And I wake up and I see that Liverpool have bid for Caicedo and it's been accepted. So I was like, wow, like it's basically been chaos. But mm. yeah, I did manage to get a good night's sleep. Uh, did you? Yeah, I slept pretty early. So I was still under the impression, you know, the reports were that Kane was leaning towards staying uh, at Spurs, despite the deal being agreed with Bayern. And uh, and that Chelsea were, you know, the team that Caicedo was moving towards. Yeah, as you say, woken up. So the discovery that Kane looks like he's going to Bayern. And now there's reports that Spurs, Daniel Levy's trying to little, you know, do his thing. Uh, there's part of me that thinks that like he's like felt upstaged by the Caicedo thing. And now he's like, no, we need to get more money because Caicedo is going for 110 million. And like this was meant to be like the big deal. And we're center of attention for the wrong reasons. And uh yeah, it's thrown everything into a bit of chaos. We're obviously, today we're on to do a season preview, and we can't really do that without obviously talking about the other teams in in the race for several things this year. Mm. Arsenal's rival Spurs. I think the Kane deal looks like it will move through. Uh, I say that with you know a still element of the door being open to it not happening, but uh, there's suggestions that despite these issues that there's a willingness on both sides for the deal to get done. Um, I feel like I'm talking about the rice deal all over again, but um, (laughs) you can't say uh, definitely yet, but how different does that change the complexion of Spurs' season without Kane? Yeah, it's massive. It's massive. Like Tottenham's best player is Harry Kane. It's Harry Kane. And I know in the past they've had other great players, um, Gareth Bale, etc., Luka Modric. But Harry Kane, for me, he eclipses every single one of those players because mm-hmm. of what he's done for Spurs. And every season he's doing well. Even if Spurs are not performing the way they should, if they're performing bad, Harry Kane is the standout player in that Tottenham team. He's scoring 30 goals. He's helping Tottenham get into the Champions League places. He's doing everything in his power to make that team a success. But obviously, it's it's difficult to do that because Tottenham are Tottenham. But it's going to be a massive blow. It's going to be a massive, massive blow. And you look at Tottenham's front three. If Harry Kane was to depart, it seemingly looks like that he is going to go to Bayern Munich. Uh, Heung-Min Son, uh, Kulazewski and uh, Richarlison, it doesn't scare teams it doesn't intimidate teams if we're being perfectly honest i know they bought solomon as well but tottenham's attack it it weakens like a lot when you look at it drastically and harry kane for me look i was a bit skeptical um when i was hearing the news uh last night that he was having doubts in terms of going to Bayern munich and i was like Harry Kane, you need to be a bit ambitious. Like, yeah. you have to, yeah. you have to. And everyone keeps speaking about the record, etc. Records are there to be broken, like in terms of the goal-scoring record in the Premier League. Say, for example, if Harry Kane stayed at Tottenham and he breaks Alan Shearer's record, 
that record in a few years' time, it could be broken by someone like Erling Haaland. It can happen. However, if Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich and, say, wins a Champions League title or wins the treble, that's going to be there forever. No one can say to him, look, you won the Champions League, we're taking that away from you. No, nobody can nobody can take that away from Harry Kane. He's done it. He's in the history books. However, if he does break Alan Shearer's records, someone else in a few years' time, Erling Haaland could easily break that if he stays at Manchester City for the next few years. He's a machine. So yeah. Harry Kane, I'm glad. I'm glad that finally he's shown a bit of ambition because if I'm honest, 24 hours ago, I was like, Harry Kane, what are you playing at, mate? Like, I was honestly, I was thinking like, it would Were you willing me. it because, like, you want it to happen because you make Spurs weaker? Like, yeah. or is there yeah. part of you that thinks, you know, I'm thinking also, I, I'm an Arsenal fan, but, you know, as an England fan as well, I'm also like, you know, thinking it from kind of taking my Arsenal hat off for a second. If Harry Kane wants to be recognised as a striker that's going to go down in the history books, he's got to win something. He's not going to do that as Spurs. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's both. It's both. I think from an Arsenal point of view, you have to put um, the Arsenal tinted glasses on as well. Obviously, there are rivals and you want to see Tottenham be weaker. And they will be mm. weaker if Harry Kane departs. And I think that's positive for Arsenal because that's basically essentially one obstacle, one team that we don't have to think about for the upcoming season. They're not really going to challenge if Harry Kane departs. And then on the flip side, you want a player of Harry Kane's stature, England captain to basically succeed at the highest level. And he's not going to do that at Tottenham. He's done everything in his power since he's been at Tottenham to basically help them succeed, scoring vital goals, key moments, key games. And what's he got for it? Zilch, zero trophies. And there needs to come a time and a place where you need to think about yourself. You need to be selfish. And I have to applaud it because if I'm honest, I didn't think you'd do it. I didn't think you'd do it. And did you see Michael Owen's tweet yesterday? Did you see it? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Michael Owen tweeting. This is Harry Kane. So I was trying to stay away from exactly. as much as I could. <laughs> you need to look at that tweet. Like he's tagging Harry Kane. I, okay. Yeah, I know Bayern are a massive club, and I have huge respect for them. But if I were Harry Kane, I'd stay put. There's no achievement in winning a trophy with them. Real Madrid, I would understand, or one or two of the top Premier League clubs for that matter. Becoming the all-time Premier League top goal scorer for Spurs is a bigger achievement than winning the league in a country dominated by one team. <laughs> I mean, when when Michael Owen tweets something, it's almost like you should do the opposite. Like. <laughs> exactly, and yes, yes. So yeah, no, honestly. Fair play to Kane, but it doesn't surprise me that Daniel Levy is like haggling in the final stage. He's probably like it's like a soap opera at Tottenham. Always they treat they treat football like it's EastEnders. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um Manchester City obviously look to be Arsenal's main rivals. We've beaten them in the community shield with a very, very late goal. But I felt that the game highlighted the competitivity of, of this team um, and, and how good they are going to be up against a side like City. I've been looking at punditry predictions. Mm. Everyone still says City. Yeah, but the majority has still put Arsenal to be the second best side in the league, yeah. Yeah. which to be honest, based upon some of the Man United Fan channels I've seen wow. putting Arsenal like eight, 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 bro. <laughs> eight. It's bitterness. 
Honestly, it's hilarious how obsessed they are with us. Like, it's brilliant. I love it. I love how obsessed that they all are with us. Man United just like, it's it's so funny the inferiority complex they have now that they're the second biggest team in Manchester. And like, they're just desperate to kind of like create uh, other inferiority complexes on the sides. But it's just funny at this point. But how do you, looking at the Manchester teams, United and, and City, how do you see them as potential challengers with Arsenal? I look at Manchester United, uh, for example. I think Manchester United have done some good business. There's some I thought. I think they've brought in a very good goalkeeper in Onana. Um, I think he'll help change the way Manchester United play out from the back, similar to when Mikel Arteta basically brought Aaron Ramsdale. I think the dynamics of that Manchester United team will change, but I still don't put them up there as being title challengers. I just think since Eric Ten Hag has been in charge of Manchester United, I see his philosophy and I just see a team which basically counter-attacks, passes the ball to Bruno Fernandes, who basically hits the ball to Marcus Rashford and the in-behind the defence. There's not patterns in play in that team. Like, I could be mistaken, but I saw them in pre-season. Again, I've not seen much. I know they put in a, a decent enough performance against Arsenal, but I think that stemmed from our mistakes, the reason why they won that game. But I look at Manchester United, Rasmus Hoyland, a player for the future, injured, make, injured stress stress fracture, apparently, reportedly. Yeah. But can you make an impact straight away? Again, it remains to be seen. Um, the midfield needs a bit of a revamp. I know they've mm. been linked with uh, Sofian Amrabat. That could be one to watch. But Manchester United, I look at their team and it seems to be still evolving in a way. I look at the midfield mm. as well and I compare it to the rest of the teams at the higher level, like the Arsenal's, the Liverpool's, which we'll touch on, the Man City's, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount, is that a midfield that really intimidates teams? Say, for example, if that midfield was up against Manchester City's or Arsenal's, I'd back those two teams every single day of the week. So, yeah, I think Manchester United, they're going to have a decent enough season, but I wouldn't put them up there as title challengers. And then with Manchester City, obviously they're going to be up there. They're looking for that historic uh, fourth title in a row. So it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, Manchester City, you could say they've sold key players. Gundogan has departed. Riyad Mahrez has departed. But they've strengthened as well. Signed a great defender um, in Gavithor. Um, seems that they want to push for Lucas Paqueta, which may have surprised many. But it's a big yeah. amount. Yeah, 100 million. It makes hundred million, bro. It makes Kai Havertz like that deal is a bargain for me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, people can't talk about the price tag for Havertz anymore. They can't. Like Paqueta, they've turned. Was it they've turned down a hundred million euros and they yeah. want a hundred and ten million euros for him? I um, think Chelsea have ruined the market with that Enzo Fernandez sign. Honestly, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Let, let's talk about Chelsea as well, like. By the way, just just quickly, City or Arsenal to win the league? Uh, Arsenal will win it this season. I love it. Um, Chelsea, 
and Liverpool, we can do them together because obviously the storm with Caicedo. Um, does that deal lift Liverpool clear in your mind of Chelsea or has it just lifted them just above them? I think either way, they're in a better position than Chelsea are. But what has this Caicedo done to both their seasons? It's a massive signing for Liverpool, if I'm completely honest. I think it changes the dynamics of the title race before when the season was about to start. Like, if you asked me 48 hours ago, I think the title race would have been between Manchester City and Arsenal. But I think Liverpool, you you have to put them up there. Like, right now, you look at Liverpool's team, I think attacking-wise, they will score a lot of goals. They will score a lot of goals. I've, I've seen them in pre-season and going forward they will create problems for a lot of teams. Nunez is going to be a second uh, season at Liverpool. Jota is coming back to form. I think he's going to have a big season. Diaz has returned from injury. Obviously, they still got Mohamed Salah. Cody Gakpo, second season. And then the only issue for me um, in terms of stopping Liverpool from competing with the likes of City and Arsenal was their midfield and defence. I think selling the likes of Henderson... Uh, Naby Keita, uh, Fabino. It's basically it. You ruin, you lose that experience in a way. But what they've done, they've transformed that midfield, and now they've got bundles of energy in that midfield. They've got players that have played with each other already. Caicedo and McAllister. They had they had a great partnership at Brighton, um, and that midfield three. I'm not going to pronounce uh, your guy's name because uh, so Bozla. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good, it's a good midfield. It's a good midfield, but. Does it make Liverpool, it makes them title challenges for me, but will it yeah. enable them to win the league? I don't think so, because I still think they lack a bit of depth in the defence. The Europa League will also take its toll as well. Yeah, because you look at Liverpool's midfield, like, say, for example, they played against Arsenal and Manchester City. In a one-off game, they will cause both these teams problems. Like, mm. definitely. But over the course of 38 games as you've touched on, when there's European uh, competitions to come into uh, fruition, it will impact Liverpool. And you look at the defence, Virgil van Dijk, I don't think he's the same defender. I was going to say, is he a weak link? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a weird thing to say, but he's never been the same player in the last one and a half seasons or so. He hasn't. He's getting older. He's getting older. And I I see Virgil van Dijk and I compare him to how he was when he first joined from Southampton. Yeah. It It was difficult. It was difficult to get past him. Like, honestly, Virgil van Dijk, as a one-on-one defender, he was the best in the world during Mm. that time. And now I look at him and he's scared to basically close uh, strikers and close attackers. And he's always, Mm. it seems, backing off from them. So, again, Liverpool's midfield, I think Caicedo is going to be a very good deal for them. I was always, like, wondering why were they going for Lavia and not Caicedo. Are you happier he's gone to Liverpool? Uh, No, I'd rather he'd gone to Chelsea. Really? Yeah. Interesting because, like, I think with Liverpool, we've seen we've seen them have these kind of stalwarts in the midfield of Henderson, Fabinho, Milner. They've all been really key figures, and they've replaced them with three brand new players. All of them are young, and I know that Arsenal went down that route, but we obviously had players like Xhaka, Partey, kind of these experienced players. We brought in Zinchenko and Jesus, so again, winners, experienced figureheads into the sides. Um, and I just think that there is, there's like a experience, a lack of experience yeah. in that Liverpool team. Yeah. 
Definitely. That might be a big, big miss for them. Now, I might be completely wrong, and Van Dijk and Matip and Salah might be enough, you know, for them with Jurgen Klopp. But I feel like in your midfield, yes, you need yeah. you need like a a cornerstone, and I feel like we've got that in a, in lot in in absolute bundles with Partey and Rice in particular, and Jorginho as well. You can even chuck Not to Nenny in being our captain. You can chuck Nenny in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I was I was raving about Nenny this morning because I feel like he's such an underrated figure in the squad. He's so easily written off. Yeah. But I feel like when he plays. I don't. I can't think of a bad performance for El. He can Nelly. do a job, bro. He can do a job. Yeah. And I think there is a really underrated factor in that, and people like have said, you know, we should move him on and stuff. But I'm like, I'm fine with him having a one year yeah. deal. Like he's fourth choice CDM, and that's fine by me. Keep him in the squad. Let him do what he does. Um, we didn't really touch on Chelsea too much. Pochettino as coach. How do you rate that? And and the business they've done and and not done because they wanted Agate, didn't get him. Wanted Caicedo, doesn't look like they're getting him either. Um, they might go for Lavia, but I I can kind of see maybe Brighton going in for Lavia now, and I've got the money. What do you think, Chelsea? I look at the signings that they've made, and I'm confused. I'm confused. Mm. I look at the signings that they've made in the summer and in past windows, and the team right now, I keep saying it, it looks unbalanced. Like, they're making signings left, right and centre, but where do these players fit in this Chelsea team? And I thought they had a good idea in terms of what they wanted for their midfield rebuild. They wanted Caicedo, they wanted Aguate, and it looks like they're not going to get any of them, neither of them. And Tyler Adams, is is he an upgrade on any of the midfielders? Not necessarily. £20 million that they paid to basically um, inject that release clause. And then you look at... um, Enzo Fernandez, the the, midf- the midfield is a lightweight. The midfield is lightweight, in my opinion. I think they're going to have problems. It's going to be a season where they're looking to evolve. They're looking to basically try and get in the positions of fifth and sixth. If they break into the Champions League places, I think Mauricio Pochettino has done a fantastic job. But I look at Chelsea's team right now, and is there any game changers in that team? Are there any players that can make an impact from the off? Mudrik, that's going to be the big question this season. Can he make that impact? Can he prove his worth? Can he show people that he's not a £100 million flop? One player I like from the Chelsea team, which I think will be a success, is Nicholas Jackson, to be honest. Out of every single signing that Chelsea have made, take away away Nkuku, because obviously he suffered that injury, which again... It is unfortunate for Chelsea that he's going to be out for three months. But I look at Nicholas Jackson and I see a player in there. I see a player that can come into the Chelsea team, that can lead the line, that can be the number nine and basically do what Chelsea strikers of old have done. Score goals, Mm. cause problems and he fits that mould. But when you look away from the pitch, um, there are still problems there with the ownership. Todd Bowley, he confuses me. He confuses me. You you take three months, for example, filtering news out saying you're going to get Moises Caicedo. You want to present Moises Caicedo on Sunday against Liverpool. Mm. He's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come. What's happened? Liverpool have come. And you know what? I give credit to Brighton and Tony Bloom. So much credit. Because they basically, they've basically been annoyed by Chelsea's antics in the transfer window. 
And maybe that Levi Kobo situation, it could have played a part. And basically said, if a team like Liverpool comes in for them and we basically put the feelers out there, if you pay more money than Chelsea, he's yours. And look what's happened. So basically, uh, I think Chelsea will have a... I think they'll struggle. And I think you're looking at sixth or fifth in terms of um, them finishing in the best positions. Brighton and uh, Aston Villa, I feel a, a good pairing uh, of clubs. Obviously, they're in the Europa League and Conference League this season. I mean, Brighton have lost Caicedo, it looks like. They've lost McAllister. Um, I feel as though Brighton are a turning point, if you like, at this season because, and I've been talking to people about this and they'll come on to it, it will segue nicely into something about Arsenal in a second, but I feel as though... They ha- they've had their moment of kind of, you know, finding all these really exciting young players. And I know they've still got some at the club, like and Cisco, Evan Ferguson, um, for instance. Tarek Lamptey's kind of faded away um, somewhat uh, in the last year. Um, do you see anyone else in that group? I know they've signed Joel Pedro. They've brought in Mahmoud Dahoud. They've brought in James Milner, which are not Brighton-esque players, really. Um, it's Mietemer is, of course, still there. Solly March had a good season last year as well. But I feel as though losing McAllister, losing Caicedo, you've replaced them with Dahoud and so far Milner. Um, I think they're a worse side than they were last season. Hmm. Is that unfair? No, I agree. I agree. I think when you take out two players in the mode of Caicedo and McAllister, they're basically the integral parts components of that Brighton team and they're going to be far weaker than they were last season and I think the Hood's a good player you've seen what he's done uh, over in Dortmund um, James Milner he, he's very versatile he mm. offers that experience but he's nowhere near the level of McAllister and Moises Caicedo and you're looking at Brighton this season and I think from from Roberto De Zerbi's point of view in the back of his mind, he probably wants one more. I know they've been looking at Mohamed Kudus for the past few few months. But again, that deal doesn't seem to be progressing um, forwards at the moment. Kudus, it seems, reports emerging that he wants a buyout clause in his contract. So again, that, that's one to watch. But I think Brighton, they will score a lot of goals. They will create chances because you look at the attack. They've added uh, João Pedro. From Watford, I think he'll have a decent season. I think Danny Welbeck, he's looked good in preseason. Evan Ferguson, I've spoken about him in the past. If he gets opportunities, he can create problems. And you always, yeah. you always talk about Arsenal. He gets opportunities. They signed Joel Pedro, and yeah. they got Welbeck still playing as well. He's and not CISO. and CISO, he's and CISO, one. Yeah, they're not. He's not playing immediately. He's not, is he? he's not played in preseason. To be fair, no. Like, Brighton's last game that they played, Joel Pedro started that, and Welbeck started that. So, look, I think if, you, if you're asking me who's going to have the most successful season out of Brighton and Aston Villa, right now I'd say Aston Villa. I think they've strengthened well. They've brought in top, top players in terms of Pau Torres, uh, Moussa Diaby. I know they've suffered a, a key loss with Emi Buntia. Um, He's going to be out for a long time with that knee injury. But you look mm-hmm. at Aston Villa's team, Unai Emery, that factor, they're going to be pushing. They're going to be pushing. And it's going to be Unai Emery's second season. And he's yeah. going to evolve. And you'd expect Aston Villa to have a good season. I predict that Villa will finish higher than Brighton this season. Yeah. Um, and based upon the business so far, and the window is still open, remember, so this is going to be a bit of a hot take, 
Brighton will finish in the bottom half of the table this season. Okay. I'm going to put that out there. So um, is as we, it's not, it's interesting that one. Um, as we sit here on the 11th of August, before the window has closed and before we've seen any more business and how that Caicedo and McAllister money might be spent, I'm going to say that Brighton are going to be finishing in the bottom half of the table this season. Or maybe 10th. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. Um, Newcastle, they are an interesting team because obviously in the Champions League, They've signed some very decent players on paper. Um, they haven't signed Kieran Tierney, despite all the talk of them was thinking that they would. Tanali's come in. Um, who else has come in? Remind me. They've got uh, a Barnes, defender in. Harvey Barnes. Huh? Harvey, Harvey Barnes, Barnes come in and they've brought... Uh, who was the defender they signed? Oh, uh, Liveramento. Liveramento, yes, from Southampton. Um, do you think they'll be in the top four again this season? No. Neither do I. Yeah. I don't think so. Do you think that Eddie Howe will be upgraded upon this season? What's your definition of an upgrade? A better manager than Eddie Howe. (laughs) 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 It's a good question. I I just feel like Eddie Howe... Yeah, I know. It's the ceiling, isn't it? ...coach can take Newcastle to top four. Hmm. Last season, in in the manner that the Premier League was... I'm not sure that he can take them to a trophy hmm. as a coach. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underestimating him as a coach still. I just feel like last season kind of fell into place perfectly for Newcastle with the way that Chelsea were, with the way that Newcastle were, with the way that Spurs were, with the way in which they were able to kind of... They had a really good team. But I yeah. feel like other teams have now caught up in many regards and have certainly the money that's been spent. They haven't done as much business as I thought they would. I don't, their business is, I think it's questionable. Mm, I think there's a lot of I question agree. marks. Like, Livramento, massive injury. Massive don't know how injury. he's going to perform. Really don't know what he's going to be like. And tell me if I'm wrong, but he's a right back and they've got a pretty good right back already yeah. in Kieran Trippier. So is he going to play? I guess maybe you can go in on the left-hand side if they, you know, if they can try him on the left-hand side, maybe. Tonali's great, but has been bodied in pre-season a number of times rather hilariously. Um, Bruno Gimaraes is still there, of course, as is Isaac, and I think Isaac will, will have another good season. But I, again, I don't know what it is, but I just mm. I'm not getting that same level of confidence again about Newcastle. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you look at it, and is Eddie Howe ceiling getting them into the top four, which mm. he done last season? I think that was a massive overachievement. To be fair, yeah, Beyond exactly. Ceiling, maybe. If yeah. Eddie Howe, say for example can get, uh, sorry, can get Newcastle back into the top four for the upcoming season. In my opinion, I think that's a remarkable job that he's done. Remarkable job. Because that shows that Newcastle are a consistent top four team. They will consistently get into the Champions League. And that means they will be consistently evolving, improving. And that helps when you look to sign better players, improve your squad. But as of now, yeah, I, I just can't see them get into the top four. I think the Champions League will have an impact in their performances because that's going to be it's going to be a different ball game playing against the best teams in Europe, and obviously Newcastle's uh, group in in the group stages. It will be interesting to see who they get, um, who faces them, and if say for example they get a solid group, they may not make it out of that. They may not make it out of the group stages. But look, yeah, I think Newcastle is is a weird one. 
but I just for some reason I agree. I just, I just can't see them getting into the top four, and that could mean Eddie Howe being replaced come come the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think there's some really intriguing kind of elements around different teams, uh, some unpredictability about them as well. Uh, tips for relegation? Um, Chef United, Luton Town and Wolves. Wolves, yeah. I think West Ham, depending on the business they do, are also going to be in trouble. Um, Wolves, depending on who they bring in, certainly. Uh, going to be in, in, in some bother because the transfer business they've done is not good enough. Uh, Iriola at Bournemouth's an interesting manager. If he gets things ticking, great. If it doesn't work, they could fall rapidly down the, the table as well. Um, and if Spurs lose Kane, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never, ever know. Uh, Everton as well, of course. Still a fair few question marks about them as a club also. So, yeah, very intriguing. Forest, you never know what might happen to them. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a real gap between the top and bottom half now. Mm. And like, there's a real difference. It used to be kind of like, so you'd have your big six and then you'd have kind of the rest. And the rest, you could have teams like Wolves, West Ham, Everton, Leicester, all pushing for like, even Southampton to kind of push as far up the table as possible. Leicester and Southampton have dropped out of the league and mm. have been replaced by teams like Sheffield United and Luton, who you would, with respect, expect to go probably straight back down. So, yeah, it's it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be. I think it's really up there as potentially one of the season's most unpredictable seasons we've seen, um, and a really exciting one at that. Last question: Is Edu Gaspar the best sporting director in the league? Definitely, definitely. What he done with that David Wright deal, bro? <laughs> a, a genius, genius. And you never know. That could basically, in the final weeks of the window, allow us to get someone else. You just never know. But yeah, fantastic business. Um, spoke about it yesterday on the show. It's an audition for David Raya, and he's going to be 100% on it to try and take this uh, number one jersey of Aaron Ramsdale and vice versa. Aaron Ramsdale, like he said in that interview he done with ITV Sport a few days ago, bring it on. We love a good battle. We love a good healthy competition. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be very, very fascinating indeed this season. And uh, we'll be along for the rides and I hope that you'll join us uh, for the course I of the asked, season. I never asked for your prediction. Who's winning the league? Oh, I say Man City because it's just, I'm, I'm a safe bet man, me. You know, I'm just, Come I've put Man City man. to win it. In IFL predictions, I put Man City to win every single competition because they're the favourite for every single competition. So I'm likely to be right across most of them. But of course, I think Arsenal can do it. Um, and I'm an optimist. So, you know, whilst I'm writing an official text that Man City will win it all, you know, I'm sitting here saying with my Arsenal hat on that we'll win the league without a doubt. Like, no, no doubt. Okay, <laughs> um, do you think we've still got another signing in us, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, we said, it, we said, we said, we said it last month, didn't we? Uh, after yeah. we signed, uh, who was the last signing? Declan Rice. Right. That we, we'd probably get a couple more. I never expected yeah. it to be David Raya, to be fair. No. So that's one of them. And again, mm. I, I'm still looking at that right-sided forward. I think Arsenal did a type of team, if an opportunity presents itself in the final weeks of the window, they're going to take that. But look, if they don't sign anyone, I can't complain. They've had a fantastic mm. window. And to be fair, nobody can complain. You can't sit here and say, what have Arteta, uh, the Cronkies done? Because we've signed Declan Rice, Timber, Havertz and David Raya. Sensational piece of business from the club. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Imar, for your time. Very much appreciate it, as always. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated, bro.
Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you check out Umar's interview with Roman Kemp. Really fantastic chat uh, about all things Arsenal and uh, his view on things. Uh, he's very much integrated around the club, so it's great to get his thoughts and things. He presented the uh, the AST meeting the other day and uh, for a couple of friends of mine were in attendance and said it was a very good one. So, yeah, certainly um, it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting. All the buzzwords that we've got for this season, but... Uh, I can't wait to get to the Emirates tomorrow and uh, and watch Arsenal kick off uh, in an early kickoff. And I don't know about you, Mar, but early kickoffs have started to grow on me. I'm kind of liking early kickoffs. I used to hate it's cause, it. It's because you're an early bird, bro. You're I know I am. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love getting up early, doing shows, jumping up to the Emirates. And it means I've got the rest of the day exactly. as well to enjoy. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy but thank it. you everyone for tuning in. Uh, you'll have plenty of content, of course, from us across the weekends and at the game. Uh, we'll be back, of course, with the morning show on Monday and uh, hopefully a podcast as well next week. But thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. We'll see you again very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.